What's up, everybody? We're back with another episode of the Dragzine Podcast. I'm your host, Senior Associate Editor Brian Wagner. Boy, you you better pull those belts a little extra tight this week because we got the wild man Steve Johnson with us. Steve, what's going on? You're the senior editor. You 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 don't get some kind of like CEO or president elect or anything fancy like that. I'm senior associate, so I'm like the third one in line behind the janitor. <laughs> if something goes wrong, you know it's. It's all, it's all about the titles, man. It's all about the titles. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. I, I get, it's like I was the floor sweeper, and I'm like, man, if you do that, then you might as well just call yourself the CEO. So uh, I, I'm sure Zuckerberg or, or uh, uh, Mr. Apple guy, uh, God, I can't even think of his name. Steve Jobs. What? Steve Jobs, yeah. I'm sure those guys all, all – uh, when you got to dole out a title, man, it's uh, usually with employees. That's usually something that's really challenging. As soon as you give somebody some authority, boy, they let you know. Yeah, that's. I definitely always tell people I have little to no authority. I've got five people I've got to run it past. So let's just, you know, <laughs> roll on through it. Let's do our jobs. You know, I, I, I've dealt with that in all kinds of fun jobs throughout corporate America. I just look at titles. I'm like, oh, you must feel important because you have all these names after your name. That sounds like me with my advisory committee. When I want to add four pounds of clutch to my static pressure or something like that, I got to run it by four people. Exactly. There's a chain. of. It's like in the military. There's a chain of command, right? Oh my God. Yeah. I went, I did some promotions. I'm a, uh, we when Tony was, when Tony was racing with everybody, the army was so prevalent and, uh, and I, I, I clearly love the army today. I get my seat to the, uh, to an air force, vet big tall black man oh boy i wouldn't want to jack with that sun gun his name was mac and uh um he walked back and i thought for a second i'm like hey that was a, a hat i was on the phone and i i'm like uh when the people stopped walking by and they were ready to shut the door i ran back and got him and i ran back and i never saw him i'm like looking for the you know how they always wear the the, the vet hat yeah and i never saw the guy and i'm like well, what the hell? I know he's here. And so I came, I went all the way back and then I, I came all the way forward and I'm looking like a knucklehead. They're trying to shut the gate and the door. And so I turn around and then I seen a big black guy and I'm like, that's this, that's the dude I didn't want to mess with. And then he's holding the hat in his hand. And, uh, I said, excuse me, are, are you, the, are you the veteran? He said, yeah. I said, you, you, you got, uh, you got to move up there. Oh, uh, well, you know, so we go, I said, no, he says, are you sure? I said, yeah, uh, they, they won't, they won't leave. They won't leave the gate unless you're up there. So he said, <laughs> oh, well, wow. That's uh, thank you so much. I'm like, well, we all thank you. So uh, he went up there and, and anyway, they, uh, they come back and they give me all the cookies and, you know, Hey, your flight's here. And, you know, I'm back in 72 R or whatever it is. And <laughs> so, but it's, uh, it's cool. So I, point is is i have a, a friend that's a colonel in the army and he allowed me to go to the base and i got to go through the um what's it called the uh the uh, the uh, i had it on the tip of my tongue the test the agility tests and boot camp and pull-ups and running through on the ground in the mud and all, all these kinds of cool stuff so uh I got, I got to do all that. So I have a huge respect for all of our military. Yeah. It's, it's always cool to see them at the track as well. They're always so 
respectful and you know enjoying themselves especially the ones in uniform and it's uh it's awesome when we get to uh do a little something extra for them at the track right yeah yeah they're they're um tony did a tony and that whole sponsorship i'm you know obviously it was it was very self-serving from one standpoint but on the other standpoint if you really have a uh a, a gratitude in your heart then you, you 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 say you know they're just we, we all, I think, are appreciative that just other people show it different ways. And uh, um, the rules, the rules in NHRA are the same way. I think we all have an opinion on them and we all like to voice it. I'm sure we'll get into that. But I think um, when Tony brought those people there, especially to the Yes event, we encouraged young people to, uh, to, to consider careers and, and be fantastic human beings. But at the same time, the army said, if you are thinking about a career in the army, then we're here to, uh, to help you out with that. And, 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 uh, those presentations I was a part of, and that's where I met the Colonel. Now, uh, speaking of careers and whatnot, I think it'd be fun for, for our listeners and viewers to find out, you know, what exactly got you into drag racing and then how did you end up on a pro stock motorcycle? <laughs> well, that's a cool, uh, that's a cool question. Um, uh, at, well, I, I rode dirt bikes with my dad, my brother, and, uh, loved those. And I had a paper route. And so I had a big paper boy bike, um, which they call cruisers. Uh, let me see after that. Uh, I got a, I got introduced. I moved out before I was out of high school. And then I, I'd, uh, well, no, at 15 and a half in California, you can get a learner's permit. So you can, so you can, drive a car with your mom but you can ride a motorcycle by yourself with a learner's permit and back then at 15 and a half man you got some major freedom you get you get out of school and you go to old girl's house you can you can go shot you know go to the wherever you know you had freedom so uh that obviously got me through uh, uh a, a period then i got like my, my 69 cougar and and then i moved out and from there, uh, the guys that I moved out with, the Laronises, they're, uh, Jeff Laronis is an alcohol funny car crew chief, and Jim also races. So the noise that you're seeing out here, there's, there's cars going by. I, I come out to get the mail. I haven't been here, so uh, I'm outside. But yeah, the, uh, they had motorcycles, and I was... Uh, their dad was my mentor and he had motorcycles. So I got a Honda 750 and man, there was nothing cooler in Southern California to ride a Honda 750, no helmet, go pick up girls, you know, Hey, I'm cool. I got a motorcycle. Right. So that was, uh, that's how it started. And then it, then it to the and between it, between all the people at the drag strip having fun and, and racing and there were girls at the drag strip also it was i was uh, i was hooked it's funny to hear different stories about how racers kind of got into it in their, in their path what what drove them to drag racing and what you know how they chose their uh, particular poison that they wanted it it, it seems like you know i, I had a ty thyrbon nitro harley racer you're my first pro stock bike racer and it's like it's just that 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 kind of glue with the bike guys it's just it's, it's all about that bike life and the the feeling you get out of it right 
Yeah, it's um, well, it it actually kind of made me think about. Well, I wonder if he's going to answer the question, ask this question. But it's like I can kind of tee it up myself. From I think we all get excited about different things, and that's what makes my deal a little bit different. I've been just stuck in this in this rut forever, seventeen years of racing, and never won a race. You know, until two thousand four when when we run one in uh, St. Louis, but um there's been lots of pro motorcycle racers there's been lots of all kinds of racers in our society so um my point here is is i just kind of was hard-headed and i kind of stuck with it and and i always said if i could win a championship i'd I'd go get married i'd quit and go get married and have a picket fence and have kids you know but it's like um i'm just i'm still at it and i loved it and it was basically because i learned the money that i had wasn't going to wasn't going to take me to where I wanted to go in, in racing, even as a hobby. And I uh, got introduced to this guy, John Asher, and he was an editor and he's done a ton of stuff in motorsports, but he was the writer and he put sponsorship deals together. He put, I think, one of the first deals together with Mark Powett. And uh, he was involved with the War Eagle deal uh, with Miller, Miller, Miller Brewery and stuff. So, uh, definitely a guy on the, on the front edge of everything. And he gave me a, he talked to me, he didn't know me from Adam's cat, he spent an hour with me on the phone and he's been a, he's been a mentor ever since. So, um, he got me into the part of, uh, you need money and, uh, you got to deliver something for, for what you're getting. Uh, but you don't want to deal with family, friends, or relatives. You want to deal with uh, corporate America and that could lead into a career. And that's really what I wanted. So, I got lucky and, and uh, got connected with Slick 50 and there was enough money there to where I didn't have to go to work and uh, I didn't have to go to traditional work. I, I worked at the shop on the motorcycle and I did, uh, I did Walmarts every Wednesday with John Force. Um, he didn't do them every Wednesday, but he, he had to do them with Castrol. And uh, I'd take a bike and a reaction timer and ship it in a crate and go to the next place. So, uh, that, that, that turned into a, a, the quote unquote racer career. You know, kind of dovetailing off of that. It's I always like to ask guys that drive or ride really fast stuff. What was it like your first time you got on your first really fast bike? You know, maybe even the first time on a pro stock motorcycle, when, when you step up to that next level, when you, when you make that transition, do you remember what it was like, you know, the, the kind of the shock at all moment? Um, well, Larry Dixon and I, even Karen Stouffer, um, I think Beckman was in the area. Uh, there's a handful that grew up in the San Fernando Valley. And the, the first few people I mentioned, um, we hung out of this Winchell's place and we street raced. So street racing seems so much more adrenaline packed than at the drag strip. I, I guess it's a perspective in all fairness, because there are, you know, tens of thousands of people, you know, watching at the drag races, they're on TV, Fox and uh, nowadays. And, um, but at the, at the street races, they're like right next to you when you're doing a burnout, you know, and, and I had a, I started with a Kawasaki 900, but then um, I merged into a turbocharged Kawasaki, and it it was a street bike that you could ride anywhere. I rode around on a slick, and 
it ran 860, 160. And, and I could ride it from here to the grocery store and back with grandma on the back if I wanted. So it was with no bar, it went 860. So Ooh. this is back, this is back a thousand years ago. So, you know, now bikes, you know, they, they run, they run in the, uh, they run sixes with no bar. You know, they got five feet where the swing arm and stuff like that. It's all like planes and cars and all that. To answer your question specifically, there is this hill in, uh, at home. And it was one of these big, long hills that, that go up and then plateau. And when I would take off from a stoplight and I would gas it on that turbo bike and in second and third gear with with uh, 20 pounds of boost and super blue, I swear I couldn't have been on anything faster on the planet. It felt like a rocket ship going to take off. It's what I thought a rocket ship would feel like taking off. And it was it was so adrenaline filled. And... The girl thing was was clearly riding around with a fast motorcycle. We street raced, and uh, you know I got a little bit of notoriety for a fast motorcycle, um, so that that kind of helped the game with the girls. I didn't have no game, but my bike was fast, kind of thing. So between the speed and and the whole ambiance, it was it was uh, it was a pretty powerful moment. Now another thing powerful speaking of powerful moments I, I was doing a little bit of research on you and i didn't know that you took place in one of the first usa drag racing festivals in japan and you actually won an event at fuji international raceway kind of talk about that because i'm sure that was a pretty wild experience going to japan to race motorcycles <laughs> it was it was that's that's good research i'm gonna flip the uh i'm gonna flip this around because i'm gonna i was out getting uh what I thought was going to be some mail. So here's here. Oh, low. I got a low battery. I'm going to have to go. Oh, I'm going to have to go charge my battery. So, uh, here's, here's, this is my, this is my 24 seven place. Um, I have a house, but boy, oh boy, it's hard to, I can't remember ever since I took on this engine program, it's, it's been something. So, uh, kind of the re the resources help help fund people and parts so i don't have all that but uh, i learned i uh richard childress got learned about this i told him about this and he he's got this at his place and i put I put wrenches in the concrete i had a snap-on deal forever and uh so when you walk up you get the you get the whole wrench thing but anyway here's um I'm, i guess i'm giving you a shop tour i got my there's my couple of trophies and stuff, but uh, I'm trying to think uh, why I, the Japan, the Japan thing. Oh, I know there's a, I think there is a trophy that I got. Yes. This is one of the trophies that I got from Japan. Can you, am I showing it good or not? Yeah. I can kind of see the base of it. Yeah. Can you, can you see the, the words? Uh, go to your right a little bit. There we go. Yeah, now we're seeing it. It's in Japanese, yes. Yeah, yeah. So just to prove the story, you know. But anyway, they actually gave us a. They actually gave us a, um, a really really cool, um, headdress, a, a trophy that was in a black lacquer box, and it was a Shogun helmet. Oh wow! 
and I lost in, in, in the earthquake. Uh, there was an earthquake in, in Southern California years ago in the, in the nineties, we went in, we went in 89, I think. And, uh, I think we went in 89, 89 or 91. You went both years. I was looking at, I was, you went to two separate events. Well, the first one was in 89. The other one is, I think it was in 91. Right. Right. So, um, I think, uh, there was an earthquake after that and the box fell and got destroyed. And I don't know what I did. I did stupid stuff back then. It wasn't important to me or something, but, um, you know, it, uh, I lost it. So anyway, that the coolest trophy, but, uh, I think, you know, life's supposed to be filled with memories and, and, uh, you know, I guess that's where, uh, that's where, um, that's where I'm supposed to be hanging out at. So is, is the memory. So, um, I'm trying to find some place to hang out. That's not looking like a bomb went off. <laughs> I, I absolutely love the fact that this is like the, the, the chaos that's going on with this show is perfect because if it's like people don't understand, it's like when you, you're at the track, this is like the perfect, like, like this is the way it is with you when you see it at the track it's it's good chaos because i remember as a kid when we were at uh the spring nationals at national trail raceway we were walking through the pits and it just it jumps out of my mind because you scared my poor little sister to death is we're like my brother said oh we want to find someone to get an autograph and you were like walking right beside just out of line of sight you go well why don't you want my autograph and it was just a hilarious moment that no one expected all of a sudden. I have the hero card somewhere here. But it was just like this total like chaotic moment. And I was like, from that moment forward, I was like, all right, I like this guy. He's cool. <laughs> well, it was uh, – uh, I, I actually kind of remember that. <laughs> it's like, you know, hey, man, it's – it's just life, you know, uh, it, it, as much as I think Matt, you know, I always go back to Matt Smith for my perspective, but that's, he's the, he's, you know, he's the issue, you know? So, uh, um, as much as I think he's a jack wagon, um, he's, he's just living his life the way he thinks he should live it. I mean, you can't, you can't really, I mean, as a fan of the sport, you, as a fan of, no, in society, they say everybody loves drama. They just want to make sure it's not about them, <laughs> so, right? So, so you know, Matt and I aren't going to lunch together, probably at least not anytime soon. And uh, he's he's such a jack wagon on stuff. And uh, just this last weekend has nothing to do with him winning the race. But I mean, the crap that he pulled behind the scenes. Well, he think well, everybody thinks. Oh, you know, it's just a different. No, he's a jack wagon. He's a damn. So anyway, I'll get it. it whatever. But I think um, I think the perspective that I had is, is you know, it's kind of neat when somebody wants your autograph the first time. But some people just go to the races to get a good parking spot and and have people ask them for their autograph. I, I definitely loved the Winston suite. I didn't know much about the racing, but I knew in the Winston suite, there were girls and a lot of shrimp cocktail and they, and they liked me. So uh, I got to golf with them. I got, I got some help with them. And, you know, there was, there was good times with those people, but um, when people would ask about an autograph, you know, at first it was like, wow, this is, this is pretty darn cool, you know? And uh, then I made my autograph a little bit more legible and, and then it got to be a, you know, who got more autographs and where did you get the sign and all this stuff. So 
I don't know. I actually kind of do remember that situation, though. I, I really, really do. Oh, it was it was entertaining. It definitely was. I think it's uh, your autographs actually on a signed banner that I. It's on the banner that I have out of my sh- in my race shop. It's on a big NHRA silk banner. It's up in the <laughs> corner. Like I said, it was it was just so funny the way the entire situation unfolded. But I, I want to get back to this this Japan thing because going to other con- like countries is fascinating especially when you do it in, in racing, you know, do you remember what it was like going over there being the American racing in front of like that whole crowd and that whole scene? Yeah, I do. But before, it, before it escapes my pea sized brain, when you re-edit this, so for you fans that are watching this, pretend like you're not hearing this, you need to put a banner across the bottom. This banner of Steve Johnson's autograph with Steve Johnson's autograph is for sale for $1 million. <laughs> <laughs> re-edit we, we don't re-edit around here it's a one take tommy we just let it roll and just it's just it's natural unless there's a technology failure i just let it roll and have fun because it's about the guests and these stories and and having these moments because you know you can't take life too seriously you got to have a fun especially you know that's like i told you in the beginning what's the third rule of the podcast we have to have fun yeah well that's a uh, banner worth <laughs> one million Okay, so so there's no no we'll just say there's no editing. So then here's here's the ed- editing. Is that backwards or not? No, that's oh, perfectly be, forward. Oh, is it perfectly forward? Yes. You're just saying that. That's backwards, right? No, so I can read it plain as day. Something about banner, one million dollars. You know, you could you re- could you actually read what it said? Okay, so that banner is worth a million. So um, hey, give me I need 30% of that thing. If you if you do get it sold, help me out with like just even 28% would be good. Done and done. Done and done. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I I'm uh I, I love that you I love that you asked about that because that is that is a really, really special time. And I'm corny as hell. I'm just telling y'all out there, uh, I'm not gonna cry, but I mean I I I have some emotions about our sport and I and I feel like my time here is kind of shows it. And I I'm telling you, I'm proud that they asked me to go there. That was the first time that we were representing um, drag racing to the the to the Japanese and uh, with Suzuki. You know, I was on a, I was on a Kawasaki back then, but it was um, I was proud. Jim Dunn went, uh, Mark Powick and and uh, the late Joe Lapone went, and and uh, I think I said Jim Dunn, but it's it's. Um, I mean, I was proud to go there. I, I mean, I felt like I had the world by the tail and we told them that we couldn't, we could, we could not ship our bikes over there. The people that got chosen were one, they had to be reputable Two, They had to have a vehicle that could be put in a container to go to, uh, to go on a boat to Japan two months ahead of time. So, uh, Dave Schultz and I, who went we couldn't we couldn't do that no, and and then i guess no motorcycles could could do that or wanted to do that so they had to take uh dave and i were the dave schultz and i which a huge mentor i just didn't know it uh and just so professional they had to take our bikes and on sunday after the after the finals and put them in a crate and they shipped them over there on the airplane so uh it was a bigger expense but we, it, it was cool to do we got over there 
and I wasn't a much of a sushi guy, but they had what, what I know now is probably the biggest sushi plate uh, smorgasbord you've ever seen in your life, all with the real stuff, right? And um, that was our welcoming party. Um, we had we had lots of dinners. Um, it was it was very the guy was very very successful. It looked like there was no problem with money. Um, lots of NHRA brass that I got along with, and I think that's kind of springboarded a little bit of my relationship with them. I I surely can't tell them to push the red button when they're when when I'm racing Matt Smith, but I can I I certainly have phone numbers and I can discuss things on a level head with them. And I think that all stems from the relationship I had with Harvey and, and, uh, um, the, the, uh, the, the, the chairman of the board, the, the founders, I mean, Wally parks, I mean, everybody. So it's like, uh, I cherished that moment and was proud of it, but I still did some corny stuff. There. <laughs> Like I'm fascinated by drag racing across the world because it's it's different in if in every area you go over the world and it's like to me from watching you know Anthony Bourdain and stuff on the Travel Channel, Japan is a country of extremes and like when they get into something or they fixate on it, they take it to a whole new level. Oh yeah. So I can only imagine like that entire scene and situation with a bunch of American drag racers that that had to just like that had the steam coming out of their ears. They probably didn't know how to deal with that. Oh, it's, I'm telling you, I could, I could, uh, Oh, I, do you know who, um, uh, I wanted to say his name. I wanted to say his name without having you to try to guess. Uh, Oh, Ness. Do you know the in, do you know the car builder Elliot Ness? What's his name? His Don, first Ness. Name, Elliot? Don, Don Ness. Don Ness. I went that that's see that also gave me some depth with the whole NHRA thing. Is I went to Japan with with him. He was one of the guys, and he was pretty eccentric. I didn't know he was so well. I didn't know he was a wealthy, fancy guy. He's just a he's just kind of kooky to me back then. I'm 20, you know, and blah blah blah. But it's like, hey, uh, um, <laughs> we ran around and you know we were interested in girls. <laughs> so it's not like we did anything bad. We just were like girl watch, you know, and, and, and we talked to him and blah, blah, blah. But it was like, he was cool. I hung out with him a lot. And I, I'm telling you, we could do a, a, a whole show on just the Japanese thing, but I'm telling you, we got to, I, I got to do really unique stuff. Um, I, I, I uh, you know, I'm single. So I, I got to go to, you know, the, the bathhouses, they, they bathe y'all up and, and uh, it's clean deal, but it's like um, a lot of the married guys did, didn't go there. Cause it was, a, they all thought it was going to be some sign, some kind of shenanigans or something like that. But, you know, I got the car to drive. We went, we went and did our own do a little tour and stuff like that. Um, we got to play pool. We went to a pool hall and played pool. Um uh, got to go buy some our own food some of the food we weren't we weren't real wild about and stuff uh we went down to um uh, they called the wayno district which was all motorcycles and everything there is is high okay because land is such a premium so they just build it high so so the motorcycle shop there you know the first floor was leathers the second floor was exhaust the third floor was brakes and 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 air filters the the fourth floor was you know uh fairings and plastic and and it was all up. It was like, it was weird. Normally you walk in like a target's all spread out on one floor. So um, then, then the whole electronics district was fascinating to go to. 
And they actually gave us money to spend there. They gave us yen to spend there. I think it was a couple of thousand dollars. They, they never did that. And all the other trips after that, they never did that with anybody else. But they took care of the first load like gold. Um, we had special dinners. Uh, we, convinced, we convinced somebody, I won't tell you who, but we convinced somebody that when you put the Komodo on, you're not supposed to wear anything underneath it. And we all did, obviously, but he didn't. Oh, and and, and, and uh, he got drunk on sake. And he's there with his legs crossed because that's what you do. You got your 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 you, you take your you take your flip flops off at the at the front, and he's flipping around and he got he kind of self exposed himself one time. And we uh, and we all just we roasted his ass forever about that, you know. So just there was so many stories about that, and that's none of the none of it was drag. I mean, the drag racing is a whole other stories. I mean, how how I got. I had frisbees made by Slick Fifty, throwing them up in the grandstands. When I was throwing them there, they thought they were rocks. They literally moved out of the way when I threw them up in the grandstands. And I saw that without about about four or five of them. And I told the announcer or the interpreter to tell the announcer that these are what Americans play with um, on the beaches of Malibu. And man, when I explained to my audience what they were, they were fighting for them. And I had. 500 frisbees so i gave them to everybody to throw up we threw them all in the in the grandstands but yeah you, just... you're talking about this and like i'm thinking man steve's got all these memories but what about the people over there like the stories that they're probably <laughs> telling about everything that happened it's like the stuff of legend like on both sides it'd be it'd be great to see both sides of the legend kind of come together and talk about it it'd be it'd be hilarious Oh my God. Dave Schultz figured out the clocks obviously faster than anybody. And he figured out that, that uh, there was a, a pre-stage and a stage, but he figured out that you, you didn't have to pre-stage to start to, to engage the system. You could roll the pre-stage, which means you could roll the stage and you, and Dave was going four mile an hour before he even broke the beam. <laughs> so he went like 3,000 miles an hour and he set a new record. And when they found out that he was cheating, they were like, hey, he's got to commit Harry Carey down there, you know. It's like, <laughs> but he figured that out so fast. Before we kick into our next segment, I got to thank uh, our first sponsor of this episode, Mosier Engineering. Mosier Engineering has been racing across five decades through three generations of family. They have also been supporting the sportsman race since the beginning with our lightning too fast two-day turnaround. Everything Mosier makes from rear end, axles, suspension, brakes is all made in the USA with one goal in mind, so you can win. To learn more about Mosier, check out MosierEngineering.com. Got to hit those sponsors up, of course. Hey, let me tell you, they, they, um, Larry Dixon uh, is building a, a Nova, and he's got Chevrolet support, and it's in the magazines and stuff. He put... Um, it's an LS, an LS engine. Yeah. And now I think he's going to put an even newer LS engine. And my, my buddy, Bill Marop, Bill Maropoulos builds LS engines in, um, in Cal in, in Simi Valley, California for a bunch of, for a bunch of people. But Mosier is now going to help Larry with the rear end, uh, clearly in, in his Nova. So he's going to have a, a Mosier 12 bolt, you know, I guess, badass, I mean, probably a posi, right? It'd be a posi. Posi, yeah, posi system. Yeah. Yeah. 
We fully support Mosier products on the show because we use them in both of my project cars. My streetcar has it. And I can give you a full testament to how strong a Mosier 9-inch rear end is because we beat on that thing like it owes us money. And we haven't broken the rear end yet. We've broken stuff around <laughs> it, but we haven't broken the rear end yet. So if a bunch of dumb apes like me and my friends can run something like that and not break it, that should tell you how quality of a product it really is. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh... – oh, I got to tell you. Goku Fuku Awadimas. That was the Japanese that I learned when 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 I was over there. It had something to do with "You're very kind, and I'll pray for you." I that's usually my biggest problem with me traveling to foreign countries outside the United States because I do consider some parts of the United States a foreign country because they're way different. But <laughs> like the the language barrier, I would get myself in a lot of trouble in other countries because I would say something probably completely out of whack and either get slapped or shot. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh we, 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 when, when John Myers and I used to go to uh, all the different States, we would practice the dialect in the, in the race before that. So in Denver, we'd always practice our Minnesota. We go, uh, when you'd walk into the, the restaurants in Brainerd, Minnesota, they'd say smoking or none. <laughs> <laughs> don't you know don't you know i want a, a, a pop you got pop yeah they, they, and then and then we'd get there and then they'd dog us out and stuff like that but yeah that's every every state over here to a certain extent has its uh moving here to alabama it's like cut on the lights i was like cut on the lights that's clearly means to turn on the light but why why would you say cut on the lights is that like something you do with a knife so you know, mom back and, and, uh, mama damn. And all these sayings like this are, are pretty unique. Now, speaking of regional things, you know, there's a, in drag racing, there's different things that are more popular than others in different parts of the country. And this is going to, I think, tie to pro stock motorcycle a little bit. Do you think fans, you get more fans and maybe fans would be more interested in the motorcycle category in general. If it was something like the swing arm pro street bikes, seeing like the XDRA, the boosted bikes and stuff like that. Uh, I, I think, I think the first thing that intrigues anybody is the, is the visual look of something. Um, I think the wheelie bar. Okay. So I, I think the visual look is first. The second thing would be, would be to be, would the second or third thing might be to be educated about that vehicle and either this or the second or third thing would be the personalities. And, and that might be the first thing sitting here thinking about it. You know, you, you wouldn't care if, if you were just a general public person, you wouldn't care about Steve Johnson racing Matt Smith somewhere. But if, if the rock got on one and, and, and uh, you know, the other guy in fast and furious got on one and they said that they were playing volleyball or drag racing or, you know, going to build a bridge, you know, people would watch. So I think the personality is, is very, very important. Having said that, the education is, is, hey, if these are going to accelerate this fast and they don't have a wheelie bar, isn't it going to flip over backwards? Uh, that's what people want to see, right? The crash and bang, fire, all that stuff. That's what made John Force famous, right? All the, all the fires and stuff. Um, I... Um, I, I saw him today in the in the in the line at uh at, at, at the airport and um we we I was just telling him uh, just ironically about how hey man you ain't been on fire that's good huh so uh but they I think so 
to try to answer your question, I think they really, I think drag racing wants to see, they know the personalities. I think they want to see racing. They want to see close racing. And a nitro fuel bike is probably one of the most exciting things on the planet that I can know, that I know of seeing. Larry Spider-Man McBride and Dave Vantine and Mitch Brown, all these guys that race fuel bikes. Um, those things are just absolutely incredible, but there's just not enough of them to create, you know, a 16 bike class or even an eight bike class. So um, I think pro stock motorcycle is so appealing because we all look pretty professional and there's, there's at least 16 of us at every national event. And uh, for the most sake, for the most point of the story, I think we put on a good show as far as racing and competition close at the end. It's funny. I, I talked to Ty Tharp about this. I was like, you could line up eight motorcycle racers, four pro stock motorcycle, four nitro Harley, and anybody could look at the eight racers and figure out who is who just based on looks alone. Just yeah. Cause nitro Harley guys, fit the Harley mode. And they're usually some, some pretty big individuals and the pro stock motorcycle racers tend to be the more, I always joke, you know, the, the, the jockey looking type athletic yeah. types. It was like, it, it's entertaining to watch it. I think it just kind of fits that entire, like the, the personality of each bike perfectly. One, one's, oh, yeah. a, one's a precision instrument. One is a very big sledgehammer. <laughs> I want to show you what one of the fans gave us with for Jock. Um, when when Jock was getting out of the out of the hospital, a, a fan made that for us. It was pretty cool. Um, Rich, his name is Richard, so uh, uh, I just thought it was kind of cool. I was going to go down here because you brought up the thing about the diet, and uh, as you know, or as you may have heard, I eat a pound of broccoli a day because it helps your pH, and uh, people don't think about ph and you have to have a body that has a good ph wow i'm out of broccoli there well i've been gone for a while but that's all that's all broccoli that'll, that'll be good for four or five days but um it's so important to uh to have um there's there's our our buddy john i'm giving you a shop tour i guess so uh yeah. there's a part it, it, it's, it, this this is a new level for the show because we're doing an interview we're getting a shop tour i mean this <laughs> this is a first oh, cool so so uh here, here's there's our sink oh nice good good use of a uh of a racing fuel drum yeah it's kind of cool you know i thought it was kind of cool got a got a shower if we get a i always i always dreamt that i was gonna have a sponsor i always told everybody hey man we're going to have, we're going to have visitors here. You got to keep the shop clean. When I had seven employees at one time and, and they said, okay, what day? And I'm like, well, that's the problem. It, we're, we're only going to have about 10 visits a year, but we just don't know when the girls even get a, the girls even get a bathroom. So it's like, you know, they got kind of my gal at the time uh, decorated the place. It's, I don't have that kind of game, but um, you know, so. Uh, As we walk around the shop, it, you know, it's, I had a couple of other different questions you were kind of, uh, I was going to ask, but something you mentioned there with, with your diet and whatnot, get your take on this. How important is it, you know, with, you know, as a professional racer to kind of, you know, you feed your machine good fuel. How does it help you as a racer feeding your body the good fuel? Well, that's, um, that is, that's a, that's a great segment. Cause I, I love to help educate people 
on that. We, you're, you're, and, and I learned, and I got verification from it when Jock went through his COVID 24 days uh, on a ventilator and uh, less than 10% survived after 21 days on a ventilator through this COVID mess. So um, him being young and strong helped him uh, tremendously there. And, is, uh, and, and, and really your body uh, is, is so important. Just real briefly, uh, they, they measure how your lung, you bring in air and your alveoli is, is, in, is inside your lungs. And it's like these little tentacles. And when your oxygen comes in, it goes to this alveoli, I'm pronouncing it bad, but it, it gets sucked in and then it goes in through uh, your arteries, veins, and one, one of the two, and it gets to your heart. And that's what fortify the oxygen fortifies your blood. It kind of cleans your blood and they measure the blood and that's arterial blood gases. And that measurement has a number of different uh, pieces to it, like a dyno sheet, you know, horsepower, torque, um, fuel consumption, things like that. So one of those deals is the pH. Well, our bodies all have to be basically around seven, four, seven, six, something like that. If, if we don't ever, if we don't ever eat, if we don't ever eat any green, um, our bodies are leaching from our bone and our bone marrow to keep our bodies at that pH balance, which creates bone density loss and you're stealing from your body to, to do everything. It sounds like a personal, uh, uh, public service, public service announcement. Right. But, but, uh, if you just would eat some more green, your body would be so much better and you really would feel it. So to answer your question is, is yes. Um, because where it really comes from is your, is your mind. When you start feeding your body, what you know is good, what is proven to be good, and oh, there's a million diets out there and all that bull crap about this diet's better than that diet. I'll tell you one thing that I know for absolute certain. There's no, but what, what, what would you say is the best diet on the planet? I would say from my own personal standpoint, uh, uh, just a general well-balanced diet, nothing that is too, you know, crazy fad diet, but just something where you're eating, you know, healthy and smart you're eating your greens and everything else just you're, you're following that pyramid to eat the right foods that yeah. would be my guess you're pretty close here's here's my this is what i feel more confident about than anything mother nature mother nature's diet is the best diet when you eat like like an animal in, in an herbivore in in nature you know all this this myth about oh, I'm gonna, you're gonna get hate mail now or i'm gonna get it all this thing where you got to drink a gallon of water a day or 88 gallons, 88 ounces of every ounce of body fat or blah, 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 blah. What animal in nature do you ever see starts their morning off with licking up and drinking a gallon of water? When you think about how a deer drinks, a lion, anything that's, you know, basically like us, they don't, they don't do that. And they eat green. Most of the stuff is green. There's no grain there. They ain't eating grain. They're not eating fruit. Steve Jobs thought fruit was going to be great for him it, 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 to cure cancer or something. At least that's what I heard. That was my opinion. I don't, fruit definitely wasn't the answer. And broccoli's not the answer. But bro, the reason why I choose uh, broccoli is one, because it's green. That's the most important. But the second thing is it has the most amount of protein in it of, of just about all the vegetables. So, 
all these things you're supposed to have a little bit of lean meat you know you don't you don't and the over uh, i'll just get on, get on. We, we won't we won't go there but the point is 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 if i eat a bunch of sugar and i still love m&ms and i still love pancakes and i went out with uh, jeff perella for a for a runner-up mate uh, major matron of honor or maid of honor uh dinner last night and uh i had i had double broccoli and salmon but I had one of his pancakes. So it's like, <laughs> that's, I love some, uh, I love some sweet stuff, but Oh, when your body goes into, um, uh, I can't remember. I can't think of the name, but, uh, yeah, you, 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 re you really beat up your body and then you can't, you just can't perform. And if you can't, if you eat bad, your mind knows you've eaten bad. So you can't perform as good as you can. And if you do all the right stuff, you have an advantage over everybody else your mind and your soul knows that you're ready to go kick butt now before we uh kick this into the final high gear here i gotta do a another sponsor shout out here to a uh, comp cams and their sit uh, for you know for serious ls engine builds that demand strength durability under extreme conditions look into comp cams race xd bush solid roller lifters with a lightweight modular design and a proprietary bronze to alloy roller wheel bushing Race XD brushed solid roller lifters eliminate the most common cause of failures with a new oiling system that guarantees consistent roller wheel axle lubrication. To learn more, visit compcams.com, the absolute leader in valve train technology. Another product that we're putting into one of my race engines, so it's good right there. Now, we talked about this in the, uh, the, the pre-interview. You know, you, you do stuff with a lot of students and that's a big passion of yours. What kind of led you down that path to develop this program to work with the, the, the younger people? Oh, that's a, well, I was, a, I, I had to think about that because we didn't, you interview guys, you, you uh, associate edit, associate what editor? Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> you associate editor types, you, you still have, uh, you still have some uh, stuff in your back pocket and that's always fun to, to throw at somebody, but we didn't, we didn't talk about what, what led to that. And, and what's cool about that, just as a sidebar, when I was with Slick 50, they sent me to media school long before people were going to media school and they taught us, they taught two days of training, thousands of dollars they invested into my media training and NHRA's done it. I've been to Suzuki's and I've been to other people's, but it's like Larry Dixon went to, to, uh, the, 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 the I, I forget the guy's name, but it's, uh, they, they teach you about, just doing your research and learning about this. this is long before even internet, just, you know, interacting with the, with the guy that's doing the interview, offer him something to drink or, you know, sit down. I always try to take care of anybody that was PR related at the races. Cause I was taught that. So that, that teaching is the same thing I'm at. I, I was lucky to learn from a mentor, Sam Laronis. And he gave me, he taught me about work ethic. If you want something, go fight for it. And Jock, my guy, he's from a rough, rough, part of town jasper alabama the kids got work ethic you know he he really really does and and that's what that's what makes me like him so much is is uh and 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 when when we're at uh um, home depot or something like that he'll the girl's short she doesn't care he says man if you don't want to be here why'd you come today <laughs> and he's he's dogging people out you know not just to me you know we don't say it in their face but it's like he doesn't understand that because he's got work ethic so 
my point is, is I think to answer your question too, is, is I, I, I want to show people that there's so much in life to get. And as guys and girls, we all want what we want. It doesn't matter what you want. It's just, you, you got to figure out how to go get it. And, and if you want to get it, you got to do something for it. You got to work. You got to do something for it in theory. Not, not everybody's, you know, going to get an inheritance or something like that. So that stuff gravitated towards what I was doing. And I liked motorcycles and this guy, I was renting a room from my buddy. We were working on motorcycles and cars. Well, his dad saw that he was a lead technician at a Jaguar dealership. So I got a job there as an apprentice for years and uh, I was a technician. So when I started my little motorcycle shop and then got a sponsor and then was full-time racing, I um, gravitated towards the kids that came out of these tech schools. And then the tech schools reached out to me and said, Hey man, you keep hiring these, 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 these guys are keep talking to us about that. Would you come talk? So I talked and I was in Phoenix one year and, you know, did some, this was before even race back computers, I think. And I put the heat gun on the, uh, on the exhaust pipe and I could see the, the number for each exhaust pipe. And I talked to the students about richening or leaning it out would, would uh, adjust each one of the exhaust pipes to have the same temperature. So um, that stuff all led into a full-fledged deal with uh, um, engaging young people at a skilled trade and specifically becoming an automotive technician or a motorcycle or even diesel. Diesel pays a lot of money right now. So um, I'm involved in every level with ASE. We do presentations with the, with the, the, um, the instructors. I've been to high schools and talked to obviously all the students about career opportunities. Don't be a, don't be a lazy, butt. you know, figure out what you want and go chase it. And, uh, even talk to the, uh, career advisors and try to get them engaged in how, how uh, rewarding and how you can make a living in the automotive. And everybody doesn't have to go to college to be successful. That's, that's kind of the deal. And kind of like we talked about in the previous, now we'll go into that as you wanted to talk about the program a little bit more, which I want, you know, I think it'd be great for people to hear about it. Kind of what's that morphed into now? And, you know, how do you push that along? I think it's, you know, in today's world, these telephones are pretty powerful and, you know, students want to, you know, you can be an affiliate, uh, you can create YouTube channels, um, all these things that you can do on a phone. It really changes things up a lot, you know, um, at 16, man, the first thing we wanted to do is have, we wanted to be at the DMV to get our driver's license. You know, I love cars, 69 Cougar putting, putting headers, headman headers on it. Um, you know, first set of headers at 16, that was, that was exciting stuff. So, um, I just think, I just think it's our job. Like I, like I kind of saying before about educating people, I think we got to educate them and we got to help the industry understand that they have to evolve. They, they, we want, we want the industry to pay more. You know, there's uh, car dealership people are very successful financially. And, um, you know, we're trying to indicate to them as they need more and more employees. You can go to work at a McDonald's for 10 bucks an hour or 12 bucks an hour to be some kind of ship leader, you know, a big sign out there. So even a beginning technician needs to get more than that. So um, we just try to encourage young people. And we got some crazy letters. I do presentations about marketing your brand after the diploma. That's what I call my latest one. And, you know, when you walk, when you were in school, if you're listening to this and you're watching and you're, and you're not completely falling asleep, 
ask yourself this question, guy or girl. You're sitting in sixth period high school. Door opens up, somebody walks in you ain't never seen before. If you're a guy and she's a girl, you are checking her out, okay? Nothing bad, but just your check. And if you're a girl, you're, is he on the football team? Has he got a car? Has he got money? Does he like girls? Da, 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 da. And guys, you know, is she, is she hot? You know, is she a blonde? You know, point is, is they walk in, you don't know nothing about them, and you're, you're already branding them, right? So I encourage young people to create a brand. Their, their Facebook page, their Instagram, that's a brand. People, it's a proven fact. You go in for an interview, they're going to look at your Instagram and see what kind of pictures you post and, and who and how you are. They're going to understand your brand. Jock showed up 30 minutes before the interview. Jennifer says, hey, uh, the guy's here for the interview. I'm like, it's 30 minutes early. What does that, what does that say? He, he wants the job, right? So he's created a brand. It's, it's all that stuff is just so crazy important. And then when you sit down and you've created a brand about, about you wanting to be there, make sure you're, you got game, make sure you got some kind of credential, not just, Oh, I want to do it, but I've got a credential that says I'm investing in my career. Go to UTI, go to, uh, you know, these, the Lincoln tech, go to uh, Wyotech, go to these schools, a uh, community college, something something past uh, high school education that says I'm engaged in this, have some tools, let them know all this stuff. I work on cars on the weekend and I, and, and I noticed that you guys race. I love racing, blah, blah, blah. So um, all these things are about engaging young people and finding the job that they want and going and getting it. And that presentation about marking your brand after the diploma, that, that can fit with anything. I did, I did those things with dental hygienists in high, in, in, in a, uh, in a tech school, in a, uh, a school for dental hygienists, you know, and they were all girls. And I talked to them about their brand. So um, you see all the time, football player, basketball player. Oh man, I could take $4 million. That'll hurt my brand. You know, I gotta have, I gotta have double that. So now I always like to end the show with a fun question and you know a lot of people again they, they still don't believe me that i have many mystical powers on the show i've got a time machine <laughs> unlimited bank account all kinds of cool stuff that i can do so for you i'm going to give you the opportunity to become your own version of a connie coletta don schumacher john force and build your own super pro stock motorcycle team with any group of racers you know, two racers from any era of two wheel racing and you get to put a crew chief on there, you know, the development guy, whatever you need. So you now have the power to pull these people from time, Bill and Ted style, and you, and you have Jeff Bezos's bank account. What team are you going to build, Steve? Wow. That's crazy. Well, I'd have to have a super team. You know, I'm always, I've always been a fan of, of uh, Bernstein. Um, I was trying to find um, uh, a, a thought about, you know, his super teams were just so, it was so powerful. Um, and I really loved it. You know, Daryl Gwynn was on it for a while. And uh, so I, I build a super team and uh, which I'm kind of hosing you on because it kind of, kind of lets me be everywhere you know but um are you saying 
that I got to grab some of those guys? Or are you just saying what kind of team and just general? What kind of team would you want to build? We'll take it that way. Yeah. Do you just want to build your own pro stock motorcycle team? Do you want to build something that's got motorcycles, top fuel, funny car, pro mod? You've got three spots to fill for, for, uh, for drivers and racers. You know, who, what, what kind of, what kind of team are you going to build? Well, I would, um, and it, it has to be in one, uh, it has to be in drag racing. Hey, if you want to bring non-drag racing people into drag race, you know, whatever, what, like I said, this, this is your team that you're rolling up to the race with Oh wow! your, your haulers and everything, you know, you, you've yeah. got the full double stacker luxury hospitality suite. You've got it all. Well, I know we're not about politics, but I'll just, I'll just say, man, I'd have to put Barack Obama in one car and Donald Trump in another car because I'm going to get the most amount of people, right? I hate politics, but I'm like, uh, oh, you know what would be a better, uh, what's her name? Kardashian. She's got more followers. You know, I'd, I'd go here. Let me, let me re-answer that. I'd go research who has the most amount of followers and I'd convince them that there'd be a reason why they would get more followers with my, with my corny team. But I think it would also uh, engage other people to expand drag racing. I think if I had Kim Kardashian in a car and Selena Gomez in another car, um, I think uh, I think we'd, we'd have a lot of women and it would help the girls, uh, the percentage of girls racing in our class. And it's a in motorcycles. It's a finesse thing. It's not about macho or anything like that. Girls do girls kick ass in our sport because because it's finesse. And I think that's how they why they kick ass in the rest of the classes, too. So um, I would do that. And I definitely have a fuel car. Um, I'd, I'd get hammered if I didn't put Larry and uh, Larry Dixon in, in a car. Um, I might have, I might have a three seater. I might have a three seater since NHRA likes the two seater so much. I might have a three seater <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to have a dual seater motorcycle too. So it just, as long as I'm getting in trouble, I want to get all, I want to get completely in trouble. So, um, but I really, really do have a cool idea for pro stock motorcycles, but I love pro stock car, um, you know, those are the three classes. I, I'm really kind of a, a, a kind of a non. I'm really kind of a bad interview for that because I want a fuel car, I want a pro stock car, and I want a pro stock motorcycle. Um, I, I think I, I think I really like, uh, I think I really like a fuel bike too. But um, uh, that 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 would be the secondary thing. And and uh, a badass shop, man. Oh my god, I have a John Force kind of shop, you know, or you know, a Don Schumacher kind of shop. And I'd have, oh my gosh, you know, Rob Winland told me the story about his putting a wing on the back of a flatbed trailer to understand the downforce. And this is before all these fancy gauges and computers and all that stuff. Well, he took valve springs and put them on a, a, a Remac tester to see if they were, you know, at two inches, they were, you know, a hundred pounds and, or, or at zero pounds. And at one inch, they were 200 pounds. Well, he put four springs underneath the four posts of the wing. And on the flatbed trailer, he'd have the station wagon in front of him, pull him 100 miles an hour and measure how much force the air put down on the, on the wing to push down and compress the springs. I'm hiring that guy, man. <laughs> you, need a mad, you need that mad scientist that's going to come. Oh, the my gosh. Yeah, he's crazy. So uh, there's a lot of other guys out there at the races that are just crazy, crazy smart. But. Um, 
and I'd have a John Pugh paint job. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't scrimp on any of that stuff. And I'd have really cool sponsors. I'd have Mac rack. My guy, my guy at Mac rack, uh, Sean and Pam, they love drag. Race. They're sponsoring me. And they, they ran into me at the racetrack. They said, Hey, what's it going to take? I was doing a school appearance where I brought students to Chris McGahey's trailer in Phoenix and I was taking pictures of Chris teaching them about transmissions and about his car. And I took a picture and the guy says, Hey man, what's going to take for you to not have a white bike, a white uh, bike all the time. And I'm like, uh, so that started the conversation. There are people like that out there. So y'all, so if you're thinking you don't have a sponsor and you don't want to go to the drag races, you need to go because there's people out there. So I'd have great sponsors like, like, like Sean, he's, and Pam, they just love drag racing and they, they have a business that doesn't even really get anything from drag racing. It, it's, it's their pallet rack repair and, and, and protection. So, you know, your forklift running into your, your, uh, your, your pallets, your, your racking systems, and you got to take the whole thing apart to fix it. They, they, they can fix it in, in position and blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, that, that, that's, uh, that's, that kind of stuff is, you know, and, and I'd have to drag along my, my original guys, you know, it's slick 50. Here's the recharge. You know, you'd have, you'd have to have some slick 50 recharge. You get it at O'Reilly. You gotta, gotta work in my sponsor plug, but they, they supported us this weekend, which is really, really cool. Um, you know, uh, that, that super team, um, I mean, if there's a 1471 or a 1671, I'd be calling those SF, SFI guys or whoever they are. I'd be having a 20. I'd, I'd make it. Oh, there's rules. They got rules on that, right? The, the, the SFI guys would probably, I could see that phone call. They'd be like, you want to do what? <laughs> hold, hold on. Let me put you on speakerphone. Say that again. That, that, what, that'd be, that'd be I, that I, I would. I would want, I would want, I would, I, as much fun as I was trying to have, I really think that two seater thing is a, is a, is a, is a fantastic opportunity to engage corporate America. Definitely um, have a, uh, all kind. I mean, the food that we would have in our, I mean, it would be a show. I, I got lucky, you know, in our, in our shop, you probably saw um, when I walked by the windows you know, the, the, the windows here. I learned that from Dale Earnhardt Sr. That's so you can see in the shop. And Dale Earnhardt's shop was exactly like that. So my shop, I kind of copied from him. Everything about it is, oh, I'm going to flip the darn, no wonder you couldn't see it. Everything about it is, is uh, so you can see what's going on in the shop with the window. You know, you can see like part of the dining room and stuff in there. And, and that was all about, so you could do a tour and you could show people. So it would all be about a show. Penske shop, you, you walk around up top and you look down, right? So it's like, you know, these are more windows for the, for the shop. But um, yeah, I, I, would, I would try to do, John Forrest has got one heck of a shop, but I would try to up everybody. I'd be competitive. Well, Steve, our, uh, our time here is coming to the end on the show. And I, I like to give my guests their opportunity to, you know, you mentioned John Force to channel that inner John Force and go like back in the day when he used to name off all the sponsors and, and all that whenever he possibly could. So this is the portion of the show where I flip it over to you and you can thank who you need to thank. You can tell people where they can learn about what you got going on, Facebook, web page, Instagram, whatever you got. So 
The floor is yours, my friend. Tell the people what you got going on, your sponsors, the whole deal. Thank who you got to thank. Well, uh, over and above all, thanking everybody. I want everybody to know that there's a couple of choices in Pro Stock Motorcycle right now. You, you don't have to go buy an engine uh, the traditional the traditional way. Buells, Matt, everybody's got bikes to rent. You know, I want to energize our class any way I can. Um, Matt's got bikes to, to rent, and uh, Vance and Hines, I think, is even building bikes, uh, both V-Twin and, and Suzuki's. Um, uh, Ryan Naylor's got stuff. Our, our class is, is, really, is, is really unique right now because it's got good rivalries and it's got good power and it, you never know who's going to win. And at the same time, you can turn it into a career. If you get somebody interested in motorsports, you can start in a pro stock motorcycle for a couple hundred grand and go racing at a top level and be involved in, in the, the Fox network, you know, and, and even um, not only corporate network, but their um, FS1 shows. And when you start compiling what that value has back to a sponsor, there is money there that maybe you could turn drag racing into a career like, like, like some of the people have done. So uh, the National Hot Rod Association has got incredible facilities right now. They're upgrading everything that, that hasn't been upgraded. So I think uh, drag racing is a hot area. And, that, and I want to I promote the fact, even though you have drag racers listening, I want to promote the fact that the sanction body right now is is um, coming back just like all of us out of COVID, and they're strong. Uh, I have a sponsor that that used to race um, motorcycles, uh, Tony Toll Plumbing, and uh, he just loves supporting us because because we're still racing a pro stock motorcycle. Bob Button, he raced. Uh, he's got a got a trucking company in uh, Northern California. We're gonna go get a chance to see him. Uh, when we go to Sonoma and Sonoma, the record could break for our class. You know, I want to tell people about that. Sonoma is a really, really cool race to ride a motorcycle to and uh, to, to be engaged in the bikes. Uh, you're gonna, you, Force will be there. Obviously, everybody, Schumacher, all the Colettas, everybody will be there that's fast. And I bet your records will fall. So um, that's going to be a really, really exciting race. So um, I think last, last but not least, when you when you got when you got your friends, you got to make sure that you look them in the eye every once in a while. Or if you can't do that, um, send them a text. Tell them uh, without being too damn corny how important they are, how how much you value their relationship. It's uh, I I got a buddy that does a machine shop here, and and uh, he supports us. My buddy Chris uh, um, Dalton, and uh, you know he makes some parts. He made this little spacer for me for my valve guide. It's 10,000 thick and 600,000 tall. It's like, wow, you know, really? And he stopped everything to make all that. He's got 25 machines in there. So I guess my point is, and as corny as it is, is uh, have a lot of gratitude in your heart. You know, we didn't win the race in, in Cleveland. I hate like hell Matt beat us. He sucks. <laughs> no puts us full. He, he just didn't suck yesterday. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> uh, just damn fries my ass. But um, uh, still, you got to have a lot of gratitude. And I think when you have a lot of gratitude in your heart, I think a lot of good things happen to you. So um, be a fantastic human being, like I always say. And uh, eat some green stuff, y'all. Take care of your damn body. Gosh darn it.
the mental power that you'll have from knowing that you're eating good stuff is so awesome. And, uh, and support our sanction body, man. And, and Steve Johnson, I'm on Instagram and, uh, Twitter and Facebook. So, uh, come check us out. Steve, I appreciate you coming on the show. And, you know, I've got to thank our sponsors, of course, Performance Distributors, Airflow Research, Procharger, Holly, MSD, Flowmaster, Comp Cams, Fuel Air Spark Technology, and Elderbrock. Steve, it was a unique show. It was a lot of fun to have you on. Um, my editor and I had talked about when we were going to come on. I'm like, this one's going to be a wild one. We're just going to see where it goes. And I can say that you have not disappointed. It's been a great show. A lot of fun. I appreciate it so much. Uh, I can't wait to get a second opportunity at it. I got to thank Suzuki too for having a great motorcycle and competing. Hopefully we'll get the record. And for whatever it's worth, I'm going to have a shirt. It's going to say the quickest Suzuki on the planet or the quickest Suzuki ever. I wish I had one of those things right here. I could kick it off right here, but I'm going to probably have it in a week, right, right before Denver. So um, thank you so much for having a motorcycle guy on there. Get, get my buddy Matt on here one time and, and, and oh, maybe I could photo bomb him or, or I could video bomb him. Maybe, maybe I'll put you both on because I can bring multiple people on the show. I can bring you both on and you can talk things out or who knows what will happen. We'll just, you know, we'll, we'll give you the link and just let you randomly join. I'm sure it'll be great. It'll be fun. All I got to do is say, Matt, you suck and you're a jack wagon. <laughs> then you just leave. And drop the mic. That's what Amanda said to me. You took away the number one spot from Matt. And I should have said it was never his to begin with and dropped the mic and walked away. That would have been an awesome interview, wouldn't it? Keep that in mind for the next time. Keep that in mind for the next time. <laughs> and thank you, Irvin Allen. We all know him as Jock. He's my he's my lead crew guy. Thank you for sticking with me all this time. We're gonna go kick their butt. So uh and watch, uh, keep, keep an eye on these guys. Thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, brother.